This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you, however it is that you picture things, to get into that place where you're ready to picture. So I've shared this a couple times before. If you're a close-your-eye person, do it. If you're a close-your-eye person, that means sleep because we sprung forward an hour. Just, you know, come back with me later. Right? I'll, I'll, I'll try to draw you back in. But I just want to share this with you. So close your eyes, and I want you, in a moment, to tell me what it is that you see, what is it that you hear, and how this unfolds. I... Take you to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death us do part. According to God's holy will, and I pledge to you my faithfulness. So come back with me. And just think about what was in your mind. You can't hear those words and have nothing. Now, you can have lots of things. You can have joy. You can have sorrow. You can have pain. You can have angst. You can have excitement. But you have something. Am I right? There's something there. You've got an image. I want you to think about the phrases just for a moment as we start into God's word this morning, as we take this Lenten journey that will drive us into the Psalms. To have and to hold. What I want to do is consider, do we think about these things today? When we think about a wedding and vows, to have and to hold. I would venture to say we talk about this all the time still. Have and hold, we're all in. For better or for worse? Probably just better. For richer or for poorer? This one's pretty easy, right? Just richer. Yeah, just richer. In sickness and in health, unless the illness compromises something about the way I want to live my life. To love and cherish, unless it means I have to do more work than I perceive my spouse is doing. Till death us do part, or until we decide to dissolve it ourselves. They're powerful words that we use, yet we do really, really nasty things to that vow all the time. Then there's a part that I didn't actually share on the front. The vows also include these words, according to God's holy will, and I pledge to you my faithfulness. So what's the value of a pledge in today's world. If we've got all these question marks, where is the value in actually pledging faithfulness according to God's holy will? Most of the time, it's according to whose will? Ours. We kind of sit there. Uh, people don't like the idea that life may not be a bed of roses. I've got to get out. I need different things. I have to have different things. Anyone willing to admit that they've ever turned on the Hallmark Channel? <laughs> See, I've heard a couple of you rumors in the back, so I was like, I'm going to mention it, and some people will be like all like giddy inside. They're like, yeah, the Hallmark Channel. Uh, I know some of you, it's like your, <laughs> your guilty pleasure is not watching one Hallmark movie in an evening, but watching 
Yeah, see, yeah, yeah, that's right. At least Nancy was willing to admit some of you may watch more than two, but we won't say that publicly. Uh, yeah, so we watch it, and one of the things that's interesting about the Hallmark Channel is they do movies the way at least I remember growing up. There's something bad going on, and then, believe it or not, get ready for this. At the end of the movie, it gets, yeah, it gets happy. Uh, and it's nice to have things resolve, because sometimes in life, they don't resolve in 64 minutes. <laughs> sometimes they don't resolve in 84 minutes. Like, so people are like, that's not real. I didn't watch the Hallmark Channel for it to be real. There's a reason why I went to Hallmark. I wanted at the end of that to realize there's still hope. There's still goodness. There's still something. So as we look at vows, and we've kind of left ourselves a little bit <clears throat> eviscerated, kind of said, well, what are we, I mean, Pastor, you kind of laid us bare with this. Well, where is it we're going to go look to be filled up? Well, I'm just going to warn you, we're not going to the Hallmark Channel. That's where some of us go. But I, instead, I want to sit there and realize, uh, if this phrase, I love you, is like the apex of relationships, like they still in movies will do this, like when someone says like, well, you know, we'll go out because, you know, I really love you. <gasps> I said it. I said the I love you word. Because that, that always changes it, right? The moment someone you knew or in a relationship, they said love and like not a single bad thing ever happened after that, right? So you all kind of know by now. I mean, the word certainly is vitally important, but how we live that out plays so much for us. So if you would turn with me, we're going to Psalm 107. Uh, it's the psalm we were reading uh, responsibly at the start of the service. So Psalm 107, uh, we're going to pick up this morning uh, right there at verse 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. So we get context. When we start thinking about where love is coming from and where things are, Psalm 107, verse 1 and 2 gives us context. Steadfast love comes from the Lord and redemption comes from the Lord. The Lord's actually giving this to us. And that steadfast love's never failing. Now what you may have experienced, in, and it could have been elementary school, middle school, high school, college, wherever you have it, the Lord's love is not puppy dog love. You remember the first time you came home and, and you told your parents, and you didn't use this word, but now looking back, you realize you were smitten? It's interesting how parents respond. I, I've talked to my own parents now, just curious, with kids growing up, like, what do you do the first time that someone said it? And kind of the response is, just let them live life. You just have to let them live uh, and go for it. I mean, you're directing them, but, I mean, it's probably not the best. Well, this is never going to last, honestly. I mean, just so you know, there's going to be like seven or eight. Uh, this guy's really just kind of, I mean, not good. It's a problem. You sit there. I mean, you're going to lose all of your credibility as a parent if you sit there and say, no, you can advise them and just kind of say, hey, you know, look for these things. I'm not saying to stop being a parent, but I can say my parents didn't say, you fool. Like, uh, but there's this picture of if we get wrapped up and all we see is this puppy dog love and we're not informed by where true love actually looks, we get a different image. Now, I'm going to read to you. We're going to stay in Psalm 107, so remain there. But I want to give you again the picture of what happens in Numbers 21. And I want to go back there because you get this picture of how people find their strength as Moses is there gathered with the people. They're gathered in the wilderness. They've got questions. They're feeling lost. They're feeling alone. Uh, and this was our first reading, Numbers 21, 7 to 9. And the people came to Moses and said. So they're worried. They're coming. They're looking for something to give them strength. We have sinned, for we have spoken against God and against you. This is not an easy move for people. How many of you feel real at ease telling someone when you've done something wrong? 
So we're all clear. I mean, I realized I didn't ask you to raise your hands, but no one was like itching to do this. Yes, yes. I love admitting my faults. It's my favorite attribute, fault finding in myself. Well, the people tell us to Moses, we have sinned, we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. You will recall from the reading, there's an account of serpents going throughout the people and any single person who's bitten, they're dying left and right. These serpents are set there and they're realizing there's only one person that can resolve this. The Lord alone can do it. And they're pleading to Moses, would you as a spokesperson, as a mediator for us, go to the Lord? So Moses prayed for the people. It's recorded, continuing that reading. Verse 8 continues. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. And then John 3, 14 does what for us? It connects and says that raised up serpent, raised up for people to look at, is just like the cross. As Christ is the one who is that serpent who is raised up for us. Fascinating image. Uh, at the, the seminary in St. Louis, our church body has two seminaries, and in the seminary in St. Louis, on the cross that's raising up over the altar is a cross, and what's on that cross? It's Christ, but in the shape almost of a serpent. It connects together the Old and the New Testament and reminds us as a serpent was raised, but we have something greater than a serpent. We have our Lord who was raised in human flesh to pay the price for us. We start to understand what steadfast love looks like because it doesn't just come in the form of a snake. It comes in the form of God who is willing to give of himself. Now let's go back and talk a little more about marriage vows because I started there. There's an interesting new trend. It's not maybe all that new, but at least it's more often talked about now. And it's the idea that, hey, I'm going to get married But before I get married, I need a? Who got my notes? How is it that you guys knew that I would mention prenuptial agreement? Sad, is it not? And again, what's so sad is I've had it even in my own family when something happens. People are like, I really hope you know that aunt so-and-so got a prenup for that. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll support it. I'll go to the wedding, but I really hope she got the paperwork. Which is just saying what? I got a prenuptial agreement, which for those of you who are like, I've never heard of them. They're not around. It means I'm writing up an agreement about when this dissolves because we're planning that it will. You get this and I get this and it'll all lay out so it'll be nice and clean when we get the divorce. And I pledge to you my faithfulness. (laughs) Who are you kidding? So why is it then that people who get prenups want to go into church? They're only going into church, at least in my opinion. I'm sorry, please, this is Mike Murray speaking. It's for the, for the show and the picture. Because if you were really going before God, pledging your faithfulness according to His will, would you have written a prenup? No. You're like, yeah, but I needed it. Well, then if you really needed a prenup, was this the person for you? Because some of you are like, well, I needed that to make sure that would guard them to make sure they'd stay in the relationship. Brothers and sisters, wait. Like, not everything has to happen. Sometimes the, the evil that you don't know about yet, just avoid it. Like, don't rush into the marriage. Well, I had to get married because that's what happens in human life. Like, you do that. It's, you know, I'm in my 30s. I had, I'm in my 40s. I had to get married. I had to do that. And pastor, you've got to get me out because now it's really bad. You've you got to help me. 
you got to get me out. The one thing we don't ever want to be counseled is to do something we don't want to do. You ever advise someone to do something they're already doing? It's like the easiest task ever. What I need you to do is make sure you just stay up on your bills and kind of, you know, just keep your house generally repaired. I do that. Oh, good, good. What I need you to do is actually talk to your spouse at least once a day and tell them one compliment. Ooh. Compliment? I mean, I can correct them. I mean, I can do that. It starts with C, correct, compliment. How am I doing? I mean, pastor, am I all right? No, like actually compliment. It's hard. I, we'll find time. It's difficult. These are things that challenge us. And some of you are sitting there going, well, I'm not married. I am not sat there and felt, yeah, well, I want to let you know this is important whether you're married or not to realize if we want to hold up marriage, we also need as a community to hold up marriage whether we're married or not. If you see a marriage in trouble, you should do what to it or for it? Pray. You bet. We're not unarmed. That we might actually do it. What did God's people do when, when they were there being bitten by serpents? They call it an exterminator, right? Okay, um, we're going to need economy exterminators. We're going to need you guys to come on out. We've got like a snake infestation issue. That was not their first move. See, they were, they were formed by God enough to realize that when it came to the problem, they needed to go to the Lord. They went and said, we're repenting, we're set here. When we have problems in our life, too often we run to people who can't actually fix it on their own. Do we run to the Lord first or do we run somewhere else or do we just run for the door? Well, I created a prenup so I can just run to the door. I don't really have to deal with this problem. I'm just running somewhere else. Now, please, I don't want anyone to say that pastor's now advocating if someone's being abused or problems or, or molestation. Or, yeah, I get that there's real problems. Please, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. But I think as a society, we have forgotten what a promise really looks like. Sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they're difficult. Uh, I've told many of you, some of you have heard me say this when I visit you, if I could take young couples and have them actually visit people who are in their 80s and 90s at the hospital, man, I'd love for them to learn about marriage by seeing that. You want to learn what marriage is? Go watch spouses as one is actually ailing and dying. And they sit there and they say, I have been at this hospital the last 140 hours and I haven't slept. And I'd do it another 140, and I'd find the energy because this is love. This is love. I mean, I get movies. I mean, that's love too. I get it, popcorn, movies. That's all there. But to understand where love really comes from, we've got to see what God is doing. So we need to let the Scriptures give us a full picture. Go with me, verse 4 to 6. The psalmist continues and goes more into this picture. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. These are the people who are trying to figure it out on their own. They're wandering. They want to find where this is, and they're wandering alone. Hungry and thirsty. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. Did you catch this? Then they cried to the Lord in their troubles, and he delivered them from their distress. Now, some of you have a picture of what that deliverance looks like, right? You, you've got it all laid out. Lord, it's going to be this. It's going to be a knight, shining armor. It's going to be, you know, about yay tall. His name will be Antonio. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. I'm trying to come up with a name right now. I'm, just, I'm coming short. So, like, you know, if, if you need another that's set there, let's go for it. And the men are like, oh, you know, it'll be princess such and such. That's fine. Whatever you need it to be. You've got it all figured out. And then the Lord sends you something different, and you say what? This, this is my answer. <laughs> Glad I got a prenup. It's just so sad, though. 
It's sad that we shortchange what God is sending to us. God will give us people. I just want you to look around. Anyone, do you see anyone to your left or right? And I realize if you're at the end of the row, this doesn't work. Are there people here? We all agree there are people here? Then God sent you people. You're like, this isn't the army I would have created. Yeah, ask Gideon the army he would have created. Lord didn't give him the army he thought he needed either, but it worked. God has assembled this group of people on this day so he can do immeasurably more than the world could imagine. Yeah, but it'd be nice if we were a few hundred people more. Yeah, again, tell Gideon that. He's like, all right, Lord, if this is the way you're going to work it, then let's do this. Let's move forward with where you are and with clay pots and a few horns and some yelling, we're going to bring down the world in your name. The Lord says the same, I will build you up, people, in my name so that I might be glorified, says the Lord. And they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress, verse 6. Then 7 and 9, we continue as it takes us a little bit further. Verse 7 and 9, he led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. See, he fills them with good things. They may not be the good things you're looking for, though. Because, see, you may be looking for good things that are filling the place that you've got right now. That You, oh, you know, I've got a shelf, and I, I, there's things I want to put on that shelf. And it turns out what the Lord's filling you with is his word and a community and people gathered here yeah, but I don't remember everybody's name at church, and I'm scared to talk to them. I'm scared to talk to people who all came to church hoping that God would draw me together with other people who could lift me up. If you ask most of yourselves independently, you are here for one reason or another, but one of them includes, I'm hoping that the people around here can support me in a time of need. Now, how that support looks, I admit there's probably 1,600 different ways you would like support. Some people like cards, hate cards. Some people like email, hate email. Some like cards, some don't like cards. Some want to be talked to, some want to be smiled. Like, I've learned that about people. It's one of the toughest things about caring for people, finding out how it is they like to be cared for. This is why love is difficult, is it not in life? Because sometimes husbands and wives have different ways of showing they care. And we're all convinced that our way is the, well, not the right way. Nancy, the only way. (laughs) You're all laughing like, that is better. Yeah, yeah, that is better. The only way. Well, the Lord is actually the only way. He is the only way, the truth and the life. For he satisfies the longing soul, the hungry soul, he fills with good things. These good things are giving us meaning and truth and life. He actually gives us our reason for being. God actually gives to us why it is that we're on this earth. Why is it that we are actually living and breathing so we can bring more people to understand they have purpose? They have a purpose to honor God and to bring praise to His name. I mean, whether you like singing or not, there's something nice about people all saying the same thing. Some people love hearing music when it's really loud, and they love hearing that. There are others in this congregation who love really just hearing everyone say the creed at the same time in one voice. There's just Unity is a wonderful and glorious thing, but unity doesn't come without God. If you don't have some centerpiece to come to, you will not unify. The Lord brings us this unity as he sets there. I'm going to jump us to uh, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. I think it gives us a picture as we draw to a close uh, this morning, our look at Psalm 107. Paul wrote this. He writes it again during his imprisonment uh, in Rome. This is his first imprisonment. Again, in prison, 
in prison, he writes, God being rich in mercy. In prison. Some of you have felt imprisoned in relationships. Some of you may feel imprisoned in a relationship right now. You might feel that you are trapped and that there is no way out, there is no hope, and there is no one who can set you free. Then you, brothers and sisters, are looking to the wrong direction. God being rich in mercy, wrote Paul, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Just as that serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so John gives us that connection. Christ will be raised up for us. We have a place to look. We have a hill to look up to. We have someone to look up to. And it's not counselor. It's not a next-door neighbor. It's Jesus Christ the Lord. The only one who is there for us, the way, the truth, and the life. There is no value in our wedding pledge unless it is according to God's holy will. We've got to lay down every relationship at God's feet. Every one. If you try to do it your own, well, maybe you've already tried that in your life. I know some of you have lives that have been filled with sorrow and pain, uh, and the Lord has given you love a second time around. Because we have a God who renews, we have a God who remakes, we have a God who recreates. So if you're sitting there going, well, I feel kind of, I, I feel broken now because uh, you, you got me in a place where what did I do wrong? You did nothing more wrong than any other man, woman, or child on this earth because all are guilty. There is none without guilt, but the Lord looks at us and says, here is my righteousness. I'm laying this on your shoulders so that you can walk out with a smile. Not, not with a hit, like literally walk out smiling today. And you can let rain fall on your face and you say, these are good things. I didn't think it on the way in, but Lord, this is rain. This is a good thing. I was worried about slick roads and other stuff, but you know what? I'm going to drive slower and I'm going to enjoy your creation. I'm going to see what you're doing around me and I'm going to watch things bud this week. And I'm going to realize that the good thing is you are giving me eyes to see what you're up to. Because I've been looking that way, Lord. I've been looking at all the things that I thought were broken that were me, and you've been writing stuff all around me. Look again at verse 7 and 8. Thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man, for He satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul He fills with good things. We pray. Lord, You are the maker of heaven and earth. May you satisfy the longing hearts that are gathered in this place, that we would be lifted up. Lord, your name is worthy of praise. We give you thanks for what you have done, for we know you are continuing to do, and we eagerly anticipate your glorious return. In Christ's name, amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 9.30 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.